Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. From Miletus, Paul had the presbyters of the church at Ephesus summoned. When they came to him, he addressed them. Keep watch over yourselves and over the whole flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you overseers, in which you tend the church of God that he acquired with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come among you, and they will not spare the flock. And from your own group, men will come forward, perverting the truth, to draw the disciples away after them. So be vigilant, and remember that for three years, night and day, I unceasingly admonished each of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to that gracious word of His that can build you up and give you the inheritance among all who are consecrated. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down and prayed with them all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. (coughs) The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose. Beside restful waters he leads me. He refreshes my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. He guides me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side with your rod and your staff that give me courage. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. (coughs) Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. Do not let your hearts be troubled, says the Lord. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. 
Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you may remember the day that St. John Paul II was elected as Pope. It was in 1978. Now, it was a strange time in the church because we had just been through a, another pontificate that only lasted 33 days, John Paul I, who, of course, took his name from his two predecessors, St. John, now they're saints as well. It's amazing. We've, we've lived in a time when so many of the popes, one after another, have been saints. St. John the Twenty-Third and, and St. Paul the Sixth. those two popes, presided over the Second Vatican Council, and uh, John Paul I wanted to show that with his pontificate he would be uh, continuing the, the, the positive, faithful um, implementation of a council that was not intending or looking to change the faith or water it down, but rather proclaim it more effectively to the world. So John Paul II then elected in uh, 1978, elected on October 16th, and installed on this date, that's why today's his feast day, when there's a formal installation uh, of the Pope, uh, John, uh, John Paul II, continued in that, uh, in that manner of uh, reaffirming what his predecessors had done and taught. And he is very much the Pope of life. He's the Pope of the family. He's a Pope who understood that one of the key threats to humanity in our day, and indeed the most grave assault on human dignity, was and is abortion. Now, what happened was that in the early 1990s, there was a gathering of the cardinals. He called the cardinals together to discuss key problems of the day. Because remember, cardinals aren't there just to elect a new pope. They're there to advise the pope who is serving the church at any given time. And so he brought the cardinals together and they discussed this in 1991, the grave threats against human life caused by abortion and other, other tragedies. And the recommendation that came out of that meeting was that John Paul II issue a major document to renew the church's understanding and commitment to the defense of life. And so he did. And four years later, that document came out as a, uh, as a major encyclical called The Gospel of Life, in Latin, Evangelium Vitae. The Gospel of Life remains to this day the best, the most comprehensive and strongest teaching of the church on the question of abortion, and it talks about the other assaults on human life as well, but is focused in on life at its most weakest and vulnerable stage, which means we have to be more attentive to it. If this life is more dependent, if this life is more weak, well, then it needs more help from us, more attention, more talking, more thinking, more action, 
And that, of course, is what our ministry does day by day within the church. I was privileged to serve over there in Rome under St. John Paul II for a couple of years, uh, not too long after he issued that document. So he issued that document in 1995. And at the beginning of 1997, I went over to uh, live at the Vatican for uh, a couple of years. And of course, uh, we were working on uh, implementing that very document. I was heading up Priest for Life and working at the Pontifical Council for the Family. And that indeed is the uh, entity that fosters pro-life activities of the church. There's been some reorganizing since then of the different offices over there in the Vatican, but that's what I did during those years. And I was able to see close up celebrating Mass with uh, Pope John Paul II in his uh, personal chapel and, and having meetings where we would bring in pro-life leaders from different parts of the world to uh, have a conference and then the Pope would come in usually on the last day of the conference and greet us, give an address, allow each person to go up and, and uh, uh, meet him. And on all these occasions he was so strongly encouraging the various ministries on behalf of life. Now this was consistent with one of the things he was most fond of saying to the people, and we have the gospel passage here today that I chose for this Mass on his feast day. Be not afraid. Jesus himself says it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now remember, Jesus is saying this to them on the night before he's going to be crucified and led away under arrest and uh, uh, all these terrible things are going to happen. And he wants to fortify these disciples in advance. The vicar of Christ needs to constantly be repeating that command. It's a command. So it's not about feelings, because you can't command your feelings. You command your, your, your thoughts and your actions and your intentional desires. Do not let your hearts be troubled. When John Paul II would say, be not afraid, he wasn't talking about that in the kind of wide, generic, natural sense only, where you say, well, don't be afraid to you know, apply for the football team for fear of rejection or to ask that person out on a date for fear of being rejected, or don't be afraid of the, 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 the lightning and the thunder. It, it, there's a lot of things that, that we can take that reassurance from God and say, hey, don't be afraid. But there's something deeper here. When John Paul II says, be not afraid, when Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled, don't be afraid to welcome the Savior. Christ has come for you. He has come with salvation. He has come with His gospel. He has come with grace to make you into a new person. He has come to reconcile us to the Father. He's come to transform us into His image. He's come to set us loose into the world to make disciples of all the nations. And He has come to suffer and die for us and to give us a share in that suffering and death. But be not afraid. He promised persecution. Yesterday I was talking to the National Conference of Lutherans for Life. Out in Illinois they had the conference. That's why I wasn't with you for Mass. And um, 
they asked me to speak on that very topic, persecution, as part and parcel of our mission. Be not afraid, because the Lord triumphs through all of this. Be not afraid, in particular, of the gospel of life. Now, the gospel of life, again, John Paul named his document in that way, is nothing other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about life. It's all about raising human life to the throne of God, giving human life a share in that eternal life of God, conquering death in all its forms. And its most shameful, violent, unjust form is abortion. And John Paul II explained why. It's committed within the family, the sanctuary of life. It's bad enough if somebody kills somebody. But for it to be a parent killing their own child is a deeper level of gravity there. It's bad enough, furthermore, if the killing of children by their parents is done and then is punished by law. But what adds deeper gravity still to the abortion problem is that it's celebrated and protected by law as a right in so many parts of the world, in the case of so many of these children. And, not to mention all that, but life is the foundational right for every other right and good that we possess. And John Paul II talked about that a lot. He said, by the way, and we should take note of this for the midterm elections, that when politicians cry out about human rights like health care and anything else they want to talk about, if they're not defending the fundamental right to life, John Paul II said their promises about these other things, and these are his words, are false and illusory. Well, of course they're false and illusory. Because you can't have you, the human right to anything, whether you talk about health or education or safety. You, you, you can't have a human right if the right on which they all depend isn't a human right. And if these people in politics who are pro-abortion think they can take away, deny, prevent you from having and enjoying that basic right to life, well, then obviously they don't believe it's a human right. Because it's not rooted in your humanity. It's rooted in their politics. It's not rooted in your, your humanity. It's rooted in some kind of court decision or act of Congress. That's not where the right to life comes from. Our founding documents tell us that comes from God. So John Paul II made it clear, this is the biggest, this is the most urgent moral question, this is the biggest attack on human life, the most unjust form of discrimination, he called it, the tragedy of abortion. Now this gospel of life, that life has to be welcomed and protected, is part of this word of God that the first reading is talking about that has been entrusted to us as a church, Paul is speaking at Miletus to the presbyters of the church. So here's Paul speaking to the priests, essentially, of that local church. And he says, I've preached to you the word of God. Hold fast to it. So in other words, the idea is not, oh, well, we follow Paul. Paul says, no, no, don't think in those terms. Think of you follow Christ. I have witnessed to Christ for you. So it is not me. I have to go now. But you still have the word that was preached to you. He says, I commend you to God and to that gracious word of his. 
that can build you up. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid to welcome that word. It's not going to oppress you. It's going to liberate you. Be not afraid. It's not going to give you an impossible burden. It's going to give you freedom of heart. You're going to be able to run in the way of his commandments. Be not afraid. It's not going to restrict your freedom. It's going to enhance it. Be not afraid. It's not going to take away your happiness. It's going to exalt and fulfill every desire of your heart. That gracious word of his, it's the word of life. It doesn't change. And the beautiful thing about it is, as Paul says, it's been entrusted to the church. In other words, it's not some kind of secret knowledge that Paul had. It's not some kind of secret knowledge that John Paul II had. It's not secret knowledge. It's been thrust wide open to the whole church. And that's the safety and that's the comfort in it, too, because if one or another overseer, and the, the scriptures here use the word overseers, that's the word for bishops, if somebody comes along and says something other than the word, that gracious word of his, to which Paul commended them and us, well, we don't have to be confused. Why would we be confused? We know what the word is. Just like we're not confused by our, maybe our neighbor down the street doesn't believe in the word of God. That doesn't confuse us about what the word is, right? So if a priest or a bishop seems to be confused about the word of God, hey, listen, that's his problem, not mine. I'm not going to be confused as a result of that. The word of God isn't some kind of secret knowledge that, that somebody else has to impart or, or, or interpret for me. When our pastors, when our shepherds of the church, when our bishops, and when the Pope, like John Paul II, explain to us the Word of God, they're not explaining to us something we don't already have. They might help us to get a deeper understanding of what we already have, but we already have it. They're as much accountable to it as we are. Do you understand why this should give us Peace of mind and comfort. No confusion. No, no confusion necessary. What is necessary is courage. Be not afraid because we will face that opposition and that persecution. And in fact, we will face, as Paul is saying, savage wolves who want to destroy the message, who want to dilute the gospel, who don't want us talking about pro-life or abortion or anything else that challenges the human person to rise up and embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ fearlessly and live it and proclaim it to others. Paul says there will be people coming forward who will pervert the truth to draw the disciples away. Give them no heed. No heed whatsoever. Don't waste a minute's time soon as you see somebody is departing from the gospel, it doesn't matter who it is, don't give them another minute's time or trouble from your mind or soul. Keep focused on the word that has been entrusted and the people who are proclaiming it faithfully. This is one of the key lessons John Paul gives to us. He was joyful in his proclamation of the word, enthusiastic and so confident that we could hand it on, that we could transform this culture of death into a culture of life. 
so confident in the victory over death that has already been won in Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, keep us faithful to your gospel of light. And St. John Paul II, pray for us. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.